0: Hello and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you will hear industry experts share their thought-provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and is generously sponsored by MedThink SciComm. My name is Rob Mathias and I'm President and CEO of ISMAP. On today's podcast, we'll talk about navigating the changing medical conference landscape and what the future might hold. We're very fortunate today to have David Barrett, He's the CEO of the American Society of Gene and Cell Therapy. It's the largest society of gene and cell therapy scientists, researchers, and other professionals. ASGCT hosts an annual scientific conference, and they publish four academic journals within its molecular therapy family of journals, among other major programs. So today, we're going to be kicking off and talking a lot about virtual conferences. And and David, thank you again for coming and joining with us today. I know that you recently had your annual conference. And I'm just wondering, as we get into this, is there um, some thoughts that you want to share with us? Hi, Rob. Absolutely. First of all, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I really enjoy this this feature of VizMap
1: and very privileged to be here with you today. Coming out of our annual conference, yes, there were a number of things that we we took away from it, a number of things that we learned and uh, a number of things that we're probably going to be changing and adjusting moving forward. Well, ASGCT had an interesting experience uh, over the course of our five-day event. We had two days where we had unforeseen and significant technical difficulties that led to a number of our attendees that were unable to access portions of live content while it was being presented, which was really disappointing. But something that we were able to to fix on the fly that happened on day 2 of our conference then we had another brief period on day 3 where we had the same or similar problems that that plagued the the platform that our meeting was being broadcast on that was certainly not something that we anticipated or expected and not something that was particularly enjoyable for us on the conference planning and execution side and certainly not for the attendees either but it helped frame our thinking about large virtual conferences and what really is the most important thing that our attendees look for in attending one of the virtual conferences? we had a quick look on a deeper understanding of what people really valued, and that was the display of content and the display of live content as it was being presented on a virtual platform. And I think that that's really going to instruct the way that we the way
0: that we view hybrid conferences moving forward. So do you think when you uh, do you consider the live content to be as important or less important as the pre-recorded and, and so on because I think a lot of us are trying to figure out what makes most sense as we go forward and whether or not you know that live engagement is is the most critical component what's your thoughts there David Well
1: I think it's the it's the engagement with the speakers and whether that happens live or whether that happens pre-recorded with live Q&A It's that engagement that is most important. In some instances, there was content that's presented at the meeting, and I know from other conferences as well, where pre-recorded content is interwoven with live presented content, and the audience, the opportunity for the audience to interact with the speakers through the Q&A is perhaps the most important component of it. Getting that information that's coming from the speaker, again, whether it's presented live or whether it's pre-recorded but presented
0: for the first time and then having the speaker present to address Q&A. Yeah, great points. So a lot, of, you know, a lot of our members and listeners are obviously presenting scientific information and they're trying to get data out, evidence out and to make to provide scientific evidence to um to their audience. Is your thought that, you know, the Q&A can be done as something that, you know, is a chat function or do you think it's better if it's delivered through, you know, some type of live engagement? Like what are your thoughts there about the platform because there's so many questions revolving around that right now. The way that we structure our our presentations, for the most part, are um, speakers
1: within a symposium and then chairs that are present to help monitor Q&A and guide the discussions. And so those chairs would monitor the Q&A and questions that were relevant would be approved and most were, and then they'd be published for attendees to view on the other end of the platform. And then attendees would have the opportunity to click to upvote a comment if they wanted to or submit their own comment or question. And then what would happen is those, those upvoted questions would rise to the top, and those would be the first that would be answered by, by the speaker. And in our sessions, our speakers would complete the presentation portion
0: and then turn to the Q&A, which would be moderated by the session chair. Interesting. Okay, okay. So, David, I'm going to switch gears on you for a little bit, and uh, we're in this virtual uh, model right now. And you know, we're I think we're all adapting to this hybrid approach to things. But you know, even though we've gotten very competent in doing that, so what's your you know, from a crystal ball point of view, do you think we're we're in this model for a while to stay now, or like, what's your plans from a a conference perspective moving forward? I think that we are in this model
1: to stay probably for a long time, if not, uh, at infinitum. The ability to reach segments of our market in new and inventive ways is really interesting for us as a professional association. And whatever we can do to help accomplish our mission and spread knowledge and awareness and understanding of gene and cell therapy, we want to pursue those those opportunities. And the ability to present over the internet and live cast or make a hybrid approach of what's happening live on the stage to a broader audience is something that we'd, we'd really like to to pursue and plan on pursuing. And that the first half of your question, yeah, I think that the hybrid approach is here to stay. And then to the second half of your question, how are we thinking about this? That's really something that we're we're going to lean into and find ways to distribute content that's happening live on stage to attendees who can't be there in person, we do expect there to be some continuing travel restrictions, maybe for some time. And then those that maybe wouldn't otherwise attend the in-person portion of a meeting or don't find particular value in some of the other things that happen at a large
0: conference that are unrelated to or adjunct to the content that's being presented on stage. Yeah, I do. I tend to agree with you. I think that we probably will be in this uh, this hybrid model for some time. It does make me wonder a bit, about the role of social social media and uh, whether or not that's going to have even more of an impact on our virtual events and, and so on. Is there any comments you might want to make there? Well, we we leverage social
1: media and we also rely on social media to get feedback from participants. It's it's certainly not a not a perfect tool to do so because there are some individuals who are very vocal and engaged in social media and others whose opinions are very important, but might not be as vocal on social media but it is an opportunity and it's another way for us to take the temperature of those that are engaged in our organization what's happening out there so we are you know we use a hashtag associated with our events and then we monitor what sort of posts are being made with that hashtag we also market the event through social media and try to spread the word about what's what's happening and when it's happening using social media as we found with our own conference, when we need to get word out about what's happening behind the scenes or what's happening next, we want to employ every tool that we can to communicate. And social media is a, a very useful one for us, particularly Twitter, because it's it's so easy to to filter based on hashtag and to get a message out very
0: quickly and efficiently. You know, as I think about where our listeners may be going... A lot of times, where we're, we're netting out is the question around whether virtual congresses are actually having a lot of impact, or whether or not it's there's a good return on education, good return on investment. So, I'm going to shift us again for just a second, if you don't mind, and ask you a, a little bit about how we're measuring metrics at this point in time. You know, are, are folks who are you know attending these congresses are they are they getting good information? What's your take on how we're measuring uptake of information and scientific evidence? Well, one of the most obvious ways to look at that is attendance and in
1: a in a virtual environment or probably in a hybrid environment we're able to monitor a little bit more closely what is being viewed so in person you're you're looking at the number of people that are coming through the door who they are what they're interested in trying to identify why they came to the conference and what they're there to participate in and in a conference like ASGCTs we have a combination of breakout sessions and plenary sessions and we can look at the the individuals that are in the room in any given talk. ASGCT has been known for many years to be a place where we have a lot of rapid-fire talks that are 12 to 17 minutes in length. And when you're in person, you can actually feel the energy in the in the space as people are scurrying from one talk to another, sometimes literally running down the hallway to catch what they want to catch. And what we've seen that translate to is a lot of talk surfing, in the virtual conference, where they're able to quickly click away from one virtual room to another virtual room, and rather than, than guessing at who's interested in what, we're actually able to look at the metrics and see how many individuals are tuning into a particular presentation, when they're tuning into those presentations, and if there's any particular patterns in in what is more popular than something else, or what is more viewed, or the types of individuals that are viewing that that content. So there's so much data. We have to clearly define what we want to pull out of that and what our goals are in looking at it. When you have all the data of who entered rooms at at particular times and how long they stayed and what they viewed, there's there's a wealth of information. And we have to be deliberate in, in what we're
0: looking for. Otherwise, it's very easy to get lost in the, the massive amount of data that we have. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there because our listeners are really trying to wonder, they're trying to anticipate what is the return that they're getting on that investment. As I uh, mentioned before, for them to have that data as to you know whether they're you know whether people are attending and, and getting the information, I think is is really critical. You had mentioned talk surfing, and when you came to Ismap West and we had the pleasure of, of having you speak with us, can you tell us a little bit more about talk surfing? I, I think it's an interesting term that maybe not all our listeners are familiar with. Sure. So ASGCT's
1: conference, we have more than this, but really two primary types of presentations. And those are oral presentations. Those are invited talks and then those are talks that are that are based on abstracts that are submitted to the meeting. On average, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand abstracts that are presented to our meeting. And again, I'm a very broad generalizations here. And about 20% of those are selected for oral presentation and there's a lot of anticipation around what that is because it's the it's the newest science it's relatively close to the day of the conference when we when we announce all this so it's it's really just a matter of weeks before the conference when all the the abstract talks are listed and then abstracts are made available and it's all new and in many cases unpublished or soon to be published data and so there's a lot of excitement and anticipation around this and those talks are brief they're as i said 12 to 17 minutes depending on how many we have in it in a given session. And we organize them as best we can around common denominators like disease categories or therapeutic platform types. In any given hour and 45 minute session, the seven talks that are included in them might be might be on a broader range of topics or might be interesting to one person and not to someone else. So the ability to listen to one of seven talks In a session, and then we might have as many as nine other concurrent sessions going on at any given time with the volume of content that's delivered. And so the ability to listen to 15 minutes of one talk and then immediately go to another talk that's happening concurrently or subsequently and be able to quickly jump
0: from one talk to the other. That's what we consider to be talk surfing. It's certainly a very uh, a very different world, uh, David, than we were uh, in the past. And I really thank you for your perspectives. It's amazing how quickly a couple of minutes can uh, can pass by for these podcasts. But uh, I think our listeners got a very, very good perspective as to what's happening, uh, your thoughts and your perspectives on, on where Congresses are heading. So thank you very much for the time and for uh, chatting with us today.
1: It's my pleasure, Rob. Thank you for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it and always enjoy talking about this with you. Happy to come back anytime.
0: Thanks for listening to informed for medical communication professionals. Please take a moment to follow the show on your favorite podcast app, inform your colleagues and rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today. We hope you'll join us at an upcoming ISMAP University webinar or even considering becoming a member of our association. Just go to ismap.org, that's I-S-M-P-P.org, to learn more. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to our producer, Leah Longbrick, and our audio engineer, Eric Colnow.